0: Last week, we began a new sermon series on the Psalms. We started with Psalm 1 last week. And I don't know if you remember, but one of the things we learn when we look at the Psalms is we learn about who God is. But even more than that, the Psalms tell us who we are. They are an expression of what humanity experiences. So keep that in mind as we listen to Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep, the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice, because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we pray for your spirit to come to this time and to this place. Let us truly hear you speak into our lives. Guide us, direct us, teach us. Make all that is said only of you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the summer of 2015, I started a graduate program to get my doctorate in preaching. And I chose for that program to go to a seminary in Chicago, McCormick Theological Seminary. And I chose it for two reasons. One, it was the only program for preaching in the States and that's what I love. And two, my favorite professor had recommended that I go there. So that's where I applied and showed up in the summer of 2015. What I didn't realize is that for this program, people came from five five different seminaries in Chicago. We had an AME uh, seminary, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Lutheran, all kinds of different people. And it was the first time that I had ever been in a classroom where I was in the minority. And I'm almost 48. It was about about, um, 70% of the class was black. And then the rest of us were white and so it was my first time really as a lifelong southerner and in the places rural places where i've lived that just hadn't happened for me before and so we spent that first week getting to know each other and learning and then dylan roof walked into the mother emmanuel church in charleston south carolina and gunned down the people who were praying there because they were black And I had thought that I knew what a lament was, but I had never experienced lament like my black classmates did in the face of that horror. Lament is the sort of thing that is so devastating, you don't have words for it and you just cry. And you feel like this shouldn't be happening now. It shouldn't be happening in this time. Many of them had parents who were involved in the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. And yet, because of the color of their skin, here we are again. And there was, I don't know how to explain it, like this bone-deep sadness over the state of our world. That's what this is, this lament in Psalm 13. It's not... I'm not getting my way and I'm having a bad day. It's the pain that comes from racism. It's the pain that comes from a mother who has lost her child. It's the deep pain that comes when we have an illness that is terminal and it cannot be healed. It is that bone deep pain. It's lament. And for the Hebrew people to come to God like this with complaints was a very faithful thing to do. Ancient Israel believed it didn't matter what you said. What mattered is that you took it all to God. And so out of the psalmist's pain comes, how long, O Lord? And that's the lament It's the lament my classmates felt. I think it's the same lament that um, John Lewis must have felt when he stood and spoke in the March on Washington. He was 23 years old, but at one point he says, we are tired. We are so tired. We're tired of fighting to just be treated equally. That's lament. And now, if you are like me, my life is relatively easy. And if I'm going to identify today with any part of Psalm 13, it's that last part, the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. That's not to say there hasn't been pain, but I am a pretty privileged person. And so what the psalmist, I think, would say to us in that place is, God cares for those who are lamenting. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't turn a deaf ear we go to the world's suffering and offer to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. God cares when we suffer. God encourages us to cry out to God. And then the psalmist says, but I believe in God's steadfast love That word that is in the Hebrew that is translated as steadfast love, it means that there's a covenant, that we believe God so loves us that God has promised to be with us in all ways and that somehow this suffering will be brought about for good. That's what steadfast love is. And so the psalmist at the end of this incredible lament has this moment of hope that enables them to continue. And I guess what I'm here to say is that it is painful to hear lament, but we are called to listen. If someone were to ask me what I learned the most in my doctoral program, it didn't have anything to do with preaching. What I learned were all of those implicit biases that I had about people of color that I didn't even know about. All those things that I just assumed were true, but I hadn't had any sort of community, And so I would come to find out that that wasn't at all true, and it was embarrassing, and I was ashamed, but I was changed for the better. And so my call to you is that that work of racial reconciliation, it isn't done. You know it's not done. I know it's not done. And I'm not saying that because it's the issue of the day. We are not an issue-driven church. What is happening in the news is its own thing. But we are a Jesus Christ-driven church. And Jesus Christ always went to the hurting. Jesus told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus, there is no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We have to make time to be with the world's pain and to offer the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to help In that place so I don't know if any of you have seen the movie that came out long ago searching for Bobby Fisher if you want to watch it please invite my husband over he could watch it every day and searching for Bobby Fisher is a story about a little boy he's about eight and he's a chess prodigy and it starts out that he enjoys playing just for the fun of it and he's really really good And so the tension in the film is that you see his dad start to obsess about him. He wants him to win. He wants him to beat Bobby Fischer. He wants to enter him into all of these really high-stakes chess tournaments. And the little boy struggles. And one of my favorite scenes is that the little boy has seen one round of the tournament, and there was another little boy who lost, and the parent just... You know, embarrassed them in front of everyone, was so ashamed that they lost. And so the little boy is talking to his coach, and he says, I'm afraid. And his coach said, What are you afraid of? And he said, I'm afraid to lose. And his coach looks at him and says, I know, and then sends him into the tournament. Sometimes, I feel afraid. Afraid to look at the world's pain. Afraid to think about what is hard to think about. And to that, I think our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says, I know, but you do the work anyway. And we trust that the Holy Spirit is with us in all that we do and say that bigger things than what we can bring will come about because it is God's desire for the world to be reconciled. And I can think of no one else to do the hard work than you and me and all followers of Christ. It's hard and it's painful. I understand that, and we do it anyway. Thanks be to God. Amen.